Today, we are talking about the Lord will provide. And like I said before, let's help us by spreading this word because you don't know who here's here's well, here's the reality. Um, every single one of us are believing God for something. Um, if you're not believing God for anything, there's a problem <laughs> um, because we are all called to go to higher levels. Uh, we're all called to grow in in the things of God. We're all called to to just grow in life. The Bible says very clearly in the book of Proverbs that the path of the righteous is like the morning sun. It just gets brighter and brighter until the full light of day. What does that mean? That means life is supposed to go up, not backwards, not up and down and up and down. No, that's not that's not how God intends for our life to go. God doesn't int- intend life to be a bunch of mountains and valleys. If he intended that, then Jesus would have said uh, in, in Matthew chapter 11, he, he would have said, uh, are you weary and heavy laden? Well, you know, that's just the way life goes. Sometimes you'll... Sometimes it'll be good. Sometimes it'll be bad. Uh, sometimes you'll, you'll have mountains and sometimes you'll have valleys. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Basically saying, like, are you, are you feeling down? Are you feeling like you're in a pit? Are you feeling like you're going through a valley? He, literally, what he's, say, what he's saying in that moment is he's saying, he gives us an instruction. He says, come, come, come to me, you know, come to me, uh, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And, and uh, I believe we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but the reality is this. No matter what you're believing God for, well, let, let me say it this way. God will always provide what he's promised. God in his very character and nature is a provider. Put that, put that in the comments. God in his, in his very nature is a provider. And Barrett actually uh, went into that a little bit yesterday uh, in, in her message, uh, because she actually used, uh, the same scripture that I'm about to go into here in Genesis 22, but it's in this passage that we see a part in a piece of the character and nature of God. Pastor Nicole says daily we increase, not increasing some and back some. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Every single day we're increasing. The Bible says our spirit man is renewed day by day. The Bible says that his mercies are new every single morning. So every single morning, God has something new for me. Even David in Psalm 23, uh, at the very end, he said, Surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me. How many days? Some of the days of my life? No. Well, it'll follow me, you know, whenever God's feeling merciful that day? No. Surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so you recognize there's a distinction then between, uh, between you know, oh yeah, that's just for eternity, and today, and all the days of my life, his goodness and mercy will follow me. Uh, Barrett's even mentioned this on the broadcast, that that word follow actually means hunt me down. His goodness and his mercy will hunt me down all the days of my life. But what's the key? The Lord being my shepherd, right? In context of Psalm 23. So we're looking in Genesis chapter 22. Basically, what we see is God gave Abram an instruction. Abram had been believing, or Abraham had been believing for a son. uh, And God gave him this son, Isaac. Uh, Isaac was the son of the promise. God gave him a promise that, hear this, and this is important for us to hear, that through Isaac, through Isaac, which is Abraham's seed, through Isaac, Abraham will have many descendants. And so 
And so God gave Abraham an instruction. Uh, he, basically, he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to the mountain, which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes, saw uh, the place from a distance. Abraham, Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and, and hear this. This is a very important po point. This is a very important point in this whole passage, in this whole story, honestly. Abraham said this. This is what Abraham spoke out of his mouth. He said, stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go over there. We will worship. We will worship and return. You hear what, he's, what Abraham's saying? We will worship and return. So he's not, so literally in the words that he's saying right now, he's not saying it as if, as if Isaac's not going to return with him. Abraham was fully convinced that even though God gave him instruction to, to go and sacrifice his son, Abraham was fully convinced my son's going to be walking down that mountain with me. That's, you can see that in the, right here in, in, his, in his physical words. And, uh, and you can also see it, I believe it's in the book of Romans, where the Bible says that Abraham believed God, who was able to call things that are not as though they were. He knew that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. If it came all the way down to Abraham actually having to slay Isaac, he knew that Isaac wasn't going to, wasn't going to stay dead on that mountain. Why? Because God already gave him a word that he would. And so, and so at that instruction, Abraham was fully convinced, I'm just going to be obedient to God. I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm going to obey God and, and hear this, and God will provide. Because, because we, we move on. Uh, I, so Abraham and his son Isaac go up on this mountain. They have the wood for the burnt offering. Isaac is a little confused at this point because he looks up at, at his dad, and, uh, and he says, uh, Father, and Abraham said, Here I am, my son. He said, uh, behold, the fire for the wood, but where's the lamb for the offering? And then th this is what Abraham says. And I want you to put this in the comments. God will provide. God will provide. See, Abraham was fully convinced. He knew, li literally, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And, and this goes... Obviously, we recognize that this is a type and shadow of what God did when he provided redemption for all mankind. His one and only son, just as God said, take Isaac, your only son. Even though there was Ishmael, it's really interesting that God just said, your only son, Isaac. Because that Isaac was the son of the promise. Isaac was the son of the promise, and Abraham knew God will provide. And guess what happened? God provided. <laughs> God provided. Abraham was fully convinced God will provide. And what happened? Abraham lifted the knife. He was getting ready to, he tied his son Isaac. He lifted the knife and the angel of the Lord said, stop, wait, don't do this. Look. And he looked up and guess what? God provided. There was a ram caught in the thicket. They took him down, uh, slayed the ram and offered that as the, as the sacrifice for, for, in place of Isaac. And this is what, uh, this is where we begin to see, where, where we see the first time God is called Jehovah Jireh. Uh, in verse 13, Abraham raised his eyes, behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. 
Abraham went, took the lamb, offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, or the Lord will provide. Put that in the comments again. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day in the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided. So, so here's the beauty of it. Abraham had a word from God. The word from God was, was through Isaac, all nations will be blessed. Through Isaac. There was a promise through Isaac. And Abraham was fully convinced God will provide. And, and I'm going to just say this right off the bat, because when we talk about God being Jehovah Jireh, right? Uh, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Uh, and it actually means, but, and we read this right here in this passage, the Lord will provide. So, so what do you need provision from? Because a lot of times when we say Jehovah Jireh, our provider, right? When we say Jehovah Jireh, a lot of times we just think mostly financially, right? We think materially. While that is, while that is uh, applicable, while that is part of it, really, what will God provide? Whatever you need in the moment, right? That, this is what God provides. Whatever I need in any moment and in any circumstance, if I have a need, God, the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, will provide my need. No matter what that need is, God will provide. Because Why? Because that's his character and that's his nature. He is a provider in his character and in his nature. He is a provider. He's a good father. Jesus said it this way. Uh, if any of you, speaking to fathers, right? He said, uh, if any of you fathers, if your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? No. If he asks for fish, will you give him, uh, I forget what he, he said, like a snake or something like that, right? Will you do that? No, of course not. Of course not. And he said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts for your children, how will your heavenly Father not also give good things to those who ask, right? And I believe the context of that passage, he was talking about the Holy Spirit, right? So we have a God who in his very character and in his very nature is a provider, he is a provider. God is a provider. So the question is, what are you believing God for? What, what are the things that you need? Do you need wisdom? James chapter 1 verse 5 is very clear. Uh, do any of you lack wisdom? Ask God and he'll provide. <laughs> That's basically James chapter 1 verse 5, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give it to you. Why? Because in his very nature and in his very character, he is a provider. We read in uh, the book of Psalms, right? Psalms chapter 84, verse 11. Here, I'm going to go there real quick. And you can put that in the comments. Psalm 84, verse 11. I think it's really, it's really important for us to recognize the power of these passages. Psalm 84, 11. It tells us this whenever I get there. Psalm 84, 11. It says... The Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord gives, put that in the comments, the Lord gives. That's who he is. For God so loved that he gave, right? That's who he is. He's a giver. Why? Because he is perfect in absolute love. First John uh, chapter 4, I believe, is what's at, where it says God is love. And as absolute love, God is a giver. The Lord gives grace and glory. And then hear this. No 
good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly? Put that in the comments. No good thing does God withhold from those who walk uprightly. He's not a withholder. What is that? What's another way of saying that? He's a giver. He's a provider. That's who he is. He's not withholding any good thing. That's not in his nature. That's not in his character. His nature and his character is to give. That's his character and nature. God in his character and nature, he's a giver. He's a provider. Now, he, now here's a great question then. If in his character and his nature, he's a giver and a provider, why does it seem like he's withholding? Why does it seem like, why are there people with so many needs? Why do people die of cancer? If God provides it all, why are, people, why are there people in third world countries dying of hunger and thirst and starvation? These are great questions that we need to ask ourselves. If God in his very character and nature is a giver, why are there people lacking? And I want you to put this in the comments. Uh, I don't remember who said this first, because uh, I know for sure it didn't come from me. But this is a powerful uh, thing to recognize. God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. God doesn't respond to my need. He responds to my faith. Put that in the comments. God doesn't respond to my need. He responds to my faith. I know that God in his character and nature is a provider. But if Abraham didn't go up to that mountain in faith, fully confident that God was going to provide, uh, it's very questionable what would happen. But Abraham had the faith. We don't have to ponder and guess what would happen because we, we know what happened. Abraham was full of faith, and God responded to that faith and provided. So, it's important for any of us to recognize that in order for us to see the character and nature of God in heaven manifest here on earth, we need to actually believe that he is who he says he is. We read in the book of Hebrews, it says this, it says, for though without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those who uh, come to him must first believe that he is. What? Believe that he is what? Believe that he is all that you need him to be. To believe that he is a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He is Jehovah uh, Nisi. He is Jehovah, uh, Jehovah uh, Rapha, the God, my healer. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. What, is, what does the God of more than enough mean? It means he is everything that I need when I need him. If I have a need, the answer is found in him, right? You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, so, so as Jesus said, right, when, when Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea, and it will be done for you. But what did he say right before that? What, what did Jesus say right before that? He said, have faith in God, right? Have faith in God. What was the context of that passage? Jesus rebuked the fig tree. They were walking by it uh, a couple days later, and they saw the fig tree withered. They were like, Jesus, the fig tree that you cursed has withered up and dried in its dead. And, uh, and Jesus said, have faith in God. Put that in the comments. Have faith in God. Well, we might as well go there since I'm talking about it. Jesus said, have faith in God. So what, what was he saying? What was he saying in, in that situation then when he said, have faith in God? He was saying, have faith in what God said. Because when Jesus cursed that fig tree, uh, when Je oh, it's not Matthew 11, it's Mark. Uh, when Jesus said, have faith in God, 
He was literally saying, when I spoke to that tree, I wasn't speaking just because I was disappointed <laughs> that the fig tree had no fruit on it. He was saying, no, I heard the voice of the Lord and I spoke out what God told me to say because Jesus said, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself but only what he sees the Father do. So Jesus, in that, when he said that, he showed that he, that he was limited uh, in his life on this earth. He didn't just do whatever he wanted to do. He didn't heal people because he was God. He healed people because he did only what he heard the Father do. And he said only what he heard the Father say. So when he cursed the fig tree, he heard the Father say, curse the fig tree. And so he cursed the fig tree. And then the next day, see, the disciples just saw Jesus curse the fig tree. They didn't, they, they likely didn't hear the word of the Lord audibly say, Jesus, curse that fig tree. But no, Jesus heard the voice of God, cursed it. And he had, and his faith was in, God told me to curse it. I know that when I curse it, it'll, it'll die, right? And God provided that, that whole situation. And, and, uh, and, then, and so when Jesus said, have faith in God, he's saying, I heard God say it. I just spoke what God told me to say. Of course it's going to work, right? Of course it's going to work. So if God said, if God said in his word, uh, for example, Psalm uh, 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities. Is there any iniquity or is there any sin that, that I've committed that God will not forgive? Well, it says he forgives all my iniquity. Uh, and so if, and the Bible says in uh, 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we do sin, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You can say, well, there's the unpardonable sin, but someone who commits the unpardonable sin won't confess it. They, they won't care if they committed the unpardonable sin. You know, so they're not going to confess that. But if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just. So right there we see God provides forgiveness and full restoration and redemption from sin, which is found through Christ. It's found through Christ. So that's provided. So I can, I have, but the only way that I can take a hold of that is if I hear the word of God on it and believe, and, and believe the word of God on it and I receive it by faith with my confession, right? Because Jesus said, if you hear the, have faith in God, for if you say, so what, what does that look like when I'm, when I'm believing God for redemption and restoration from condemnation, from guilt, from shame, and from those things? The Bible says, confess your sin. God is faithful and just to forgive you and to completely cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So I can reach out and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in my heart that God raised from the dead. I'll be saved and redeemed from all that. Why? Because I, I believe what God has said. He is a provider. He'll provide all my need. If you're believing for something financially, uh, look, let's look at this. Philippians 4.19. Turn with me to Philippians 4.19, and you can put that in the comments. Philippians 4.19. This is, this is such a powerful verse. Philippians 4.19 says this. And my God will supply all your needs. Um, see, it, it kind of, sometimes it blows my mind um, how clear Scripture can be, right? My God shall supply, shall supply all your need. And, and, and hear this, put this in the comments. Not according to my need, but according to his riches and glory. He doesn't supply my need according to my need. He goes exceedingly abundantly beyond all I can ask or think. So he supplies my seed according to his riches and glory. 
in Christ Jesus. But I will say this, though. See, because we, we already, uh, you know, if you're looking at this logically, well, there's people who have needs that it seems like they haven't been supplied yet. Uh, so why haven't they been supplied yet if God supplies all, all your need? Um, the, the reality is this. Yes, God in his character and nature is a provider, but he will never force anything on his people. God will never force his provision on people. He's, he's, he doesn't, pastor says it this way, I could have the best cookie in the whole world right here in my hand. But, but if I f- shove it down your throat and force feed it to you, you're not going to enjoy that cookie, right? And God's not going to, even, even though God provides the best for his children, He's not going to force it on his, on his children. So when, when you have children saying, well, God doesn't supply all our needs. Well, you know, what about this? What about people in, in China? What about people over here? What about this? You're, you're basically, what when people start saying stuff like that is they're walking by sight, not by faith. They're not walking by the word of God. They're walking by what they see with their natural eyes. And, and people who walk by sight and not by faith rarely ever see the power of God manifest. Why? Because they've, they've blocked it off. God has never stopped being a provider. He's never stopped it. But, but, peop, but people in their unbelief can block it from manifesting in their own lives. That's why the Bible says in James, when, remember when we talked about James 1.5, right? When it says, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he'll freely give it to you without rebuke. The very next verse, James says this, but when you ask, ask in faith and don't doubt in your heart. Because the one who doubts is, is like a wave tossed by the sea, right? Uh, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What, what's double-minded? What's the definition of double-minded? Well, maybe he'll answer. Maybe he won't, right? That's the definition of double-minded. He might answer. He might not answer. And, and this is what James says about those kinds of people. He says they should actually expect to receive nothing from the Lord. They shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. And in all honesty, they kind of don't. <laughs> and that's why... We, we see a lot of people with needs. It's not, it's not that God stopped being a provider. It's that they haven't put faith on the character and nature of who God already is. So, so what are you needing? Are you needing a vehicle? Are you needing finances just to pay this month's rent? Are, what, are you needing some joy and some hope and some peace, right? All of those things, God is freely supplying to you. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. So if you need joy, if you're, if you're feeling heavy, if you're feeling just joyless, that joy is provided for you by, the, by God. It, it's provided for you because in his presence is fullness of joy. When Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. What, what he's literally saying is, hey, it, your, your rest is already provided for you. You don't have to be in toil. You don't have to be struggling and striving through life. No, rest has already been provided for you. Uh, we actually read that in Hebrews chapter 4. We who believe do enter his rest. Why? Because we believe that rest has been provided for us. Whatever you need, God, whatever your need is, God, God can supply that need. Um, so so we, we see here in Philippians 4.19, right? And I know that God shall supply, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ. What, this is important. For us to recognize. Why did Paul say that? Did P- recognize also. The whole context of this passage. Is Paul's taking up an offering. To the Philippian church. Um, but. It's important for us to recognize. Simultaneously that Paul didn't say that. To just any church. 
He said that to the Philippian church. He didn't write that to the church in Corinth. Didn't write that to the church in Galatia. He didn't write that to the church in, uh, in Colossae. He wrote that to the Philippian church. Why did he write it to the Philippian church? Because actually several verses later, Paul says this. But I rejoiced, uh, this is Philippians 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at least you have received, revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, you, uh, but you lacked opportunity. Now, not that I speak from want, for I have learned in, to be content in whatever circumstances. So, so even in this passage, Paul, is, Paul is, is defining what provider God looks like. That it doesn't matter what things look like. I can be in humble means. I can be, so my bank account could appear low. It could appear high. I, my stomach can feel hungry or it can be well fed. It really doesn't matter. All those, all those natural things, looking at things logically. See, one of the people tried to use this passage to say, well, God doesn't always provide because Paul was hungry at times. No, that's not, that's not at all what Paul was saying. He was saying it doesn't matter what my circumstances look like. I can be well-fed. I can be hungry. I, I can have a lot in my bank account. I can have n- relatively nothing in my bank account. That's all irrelevant at this point because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What, what is he saying? God will provide. The Lord will provide. It doesn't matter what your circumstance looks like. So, uh, I, I will say this. Stop, stop judging your faith or, or your level of faith by what you see in the natural well if i was more faithful uh i wouldn't have to be believing god for this it should just ha- it should just ha- it will happen god will provide right but you know, a lot of times when we look at, at our natural things well man if 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 i was at a higher level of faith you know i i wouldn't have to be believing god for rent this is an important thing for, for you to understand you, there will never be a moment in your life where you're not called to apply faith because the bible says without faith it's impossible to please god so i should always be in a position where i'm believing in god right i should why because i'm always believing god for more i'm always believing god for increase i'm always going to be believing god for something i'm always going to be believing god for something uh because if i think that that real godly faith is god bringing me to a place that i don't have to apply faith anymore that's not faith (laughs) that's not godly faith I, I will always need to apply faith in God. There will, even Jesus had to apply faith in God, right? Even Jesus had to do that. Uh, there will never be a moment in my life where faith is not required of me. God's always go- So once I get to that next level, God's always going to have me go to a different level of faith. There's always going to be more levels of faith than just where I'm at now. So if I'm thinking, man, if I had more faith, then I wouldn't be in this position or I, it wouldn't be looking this way. Uh, my, my, my idea of faith is skewed. That's actually a rival mentality. We think maybe one day we'll arrive to a place where all of our, uh, where, uh, let, let me say it this way, where we don't have to believe God for anything and everything just happens automatically. No, no, no. We're always going to need to be applying faith in the Lord. Well, that's just reality. Why? Because faith pleases God. And I want my life to be pleasing to God. So I always want to be growing in my faith. I always want to be growing in my faith. I always want to be growing in my faith. Put that in the comments. I always want to grow in my faith. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, really, my circumstance is irrelevant to the fact that my God will supply. But uh, going back to the point that I was making, Paul said this uh, in verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me uh, in my affliction. As you yourselves know, Philippians, that uh, at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, 
no church, hear this, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. So why did Paul write, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory to the Philippian church and not to the other churches? Because it was, he said, no church, no church had, uh, had uh, shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving yet you only. See, the church of Philippi had a revelation. Hey, you brought this, this, this revelation of the gospel to us and you're going out and bringing it to the world. We want to make sure that you have it. We want to make sure that that revelation is going out into the world and we want to partner with you. We want to partner with you. And, and so one of the ways that, that, that we can ensure that all of our, that God provides all of our needs, everything that we will ever need in life. One of the ways we can guarantee that is first and foremost, first and foremost, recognize and understand God is a provider and God will provide. Secondly, we have to have a heart towards him, a heart after him. That's what the Philippian church had. They had a heart towards him. You see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Again, one of the other passages where Paul's taken up an offering to the church in Corinth. 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 8. Um, and and this, is, this is what he says. Now, brethren, uh, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia. You don't know this Macedonia. Macedonia is uh, the church, is the Philippian church. You know, Macedonia is the, the church of Philippi. So he says this, uh, we want to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. So you look at this church, right? And the Bible actually, Paul says, they, were, they had deep poverty, right? They were in humble means, you know, the same thing that Paul was talking to, to Philippian church. This is the church he's talking about. And, and here's the beauty of it. All of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is the testimony of the church of Macedonia. That's, it's that testimony of, of that church or the church of Philippi, essentially. So they were in this position where they had deep poverty, but their heart, hear this, their heart was, was pure towards God. Their heart was all out towards God. They were like, basically, um, what Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew 6, 21, when he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He was saying, man, the church of Philippi, their heart was in God, and they proved it by putting their treasure in, in God. And so, and so then he goes on to say this. So, so recognize, even when they were in a position of poverty, their heart was still towards God. Their heart was still pure towards God, and they purposed in themselves, God, I'm going to give to you. Not, hear this. Not because, not because I just want to receive. No, I want to give to you because my heart is pure towards you. Because my heart is pure towards you. And then, and then this is what he says. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability. What does that mean? They tapped into something. They tapped into something that went beyond what they were able to do themselves. Even though they were in a position of poverty, even though they were in humble means, God was a, because their heart was right, God was able to take them into deeper levels of giving. How, how were they able to give beyond what they were able? Because God supernaturally provided beyond what they're able. And, and then this is the whole testimony of the church of Philippi. Because then he just keeps talking uh, Paul just keeps talking, he goes into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 
Whenever he begins to say this, when you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, but when you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. What's he say? He's giving a testimony of the Philippian church, the same church that he said, and my God shall supply all your needs. He's saying they, they sowed bountifully, they reaped bountifully. You know, uh, he also, he even said to the, to the Philippian church back in Philippians 4, he said, and it's not that I desire the gift, but I desire the fruit that'll bound to your account. What's he saying? He's, see, when we give, and this isn't necessarily an offering message, I'm just showing you how you can tap in to the provision power of God. When, when we say God will provide, and, and, we, and I'm, I'm seeing all, it all in the comments, I always want to grow in my faith. You know, it's, it's faith. Uh, it's faith that pleases God. How do I apply faith when it comes to provision? I sow seed. I sow seed. Not because, and here's, here's, the, here's the reality. Yes, I, I expect to receive, but my heart is all, is all in the kingdom. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. What's he talking about? Financial things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about any of those things, but seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and what? And the Lord will provide. <laughs> The Lord will provide. Just when, when your heart is towards God, provision's inevitable. When God sees your heart is towards advancing the kingdom, God will make sure you're well supplied with all that you need, which is evident in Philippians 4, 19. All that you need. Man, when I'm partnering with the kingdom of God, not be, uh, hear this. It's not, a, it's not necessarily about, about how much I give, I, I need to give an obedience to what the Lord told me to do, but it's my heart behind the gift. I want the kingdom of God to advance. I want the kingdom of God to grow. And if I'm believing for something, man, all I have to do in a pure heart towards the Lord is just, you know, I just want to give towards him. I just want to give towards him. And as I give towards him, and see, that's the fruit of that my heart's towards him. It's not me making a payment to get my needs supplied it's, it's the fruit of God. My heart is yours. I'm believing for this. You know, my heart is yours. So God, I'm just going to sow in faith. And I know you're, you're providing it all. You're providing it all to work out, right? That's who God is. But in order for us to see his kingdom come, his will be done in our lives, to see that provision power of God manifesting in our lives, our hearts need to be pure towards him. Our hearts need to be towards him. When our, where our, where, when our heart is towards him, it guarantees all my needs are supplied. How do, how do I do that? I, I show my faith. See, when, when, when James says that, uh, that uh, faith without action is dead, he's not saying action proves your faith. He's saying action is the fruit of your faith. So he's not saying that, oh man, you know, you just need to, you need to, I mean, you can commit your works that your thoughts may be established, but, but ultimately my, my showing, my giving, that, that shows where my heart is. That shows where my heart is. And God is looking. The Bible says, God is, his eyes are going to and fro over the whole earth, looking for someone whose heart is pure towards him. Someone who he can show himself strong in. Is that going to be you today? Are you the someone that God wants, that God's going to show himself strong in? But here's the thing. Your heart needs to be towards him. Your heart needs to be pure towards him. God, I trust you. God, I love you. I know. See, that's, that's the testimony of Abraham. His heart was toward God. God, you told me to do this. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I know you will provide. Put in the comments again, the Lord will provide. So what are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? He'll provide it. He'll provide it. But again, let's go back to what Jesus said. Have faith in God. 
What was Jesus' faith in? What God had said. What, his faith was in what God has said. So here's the thing. God will provide, you can put this in the comments, God will provide what he promised. Now I could go around and say, I believe that the Lord will provide for me a Lamborghini. But if he never promised me a Lamborghini, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be attaching my faith to that. Why? Because if I'm believing God for a Lamborghini and he never said it, my faith is not in God. My faith is not in God. I'm not believing in God for anything. I can say I'm believing God, but I'm not believing God because he never said it. Faith in God is faith in his word. So if God gave me a word for it, I can believe for it. If God said, if God gave me a word, hey, I want you to believe for a new vehicle. Man, I have a word and I can believe. I can believe for that. And my, my faith is not in my faith. See, it, uh, a beautiful example, put a hands up in the comments if you tried to walk on water. Right? Like, I cannot tell you how many times as a kid we had a pool in our backyard that I walked out to that pool and I said, I believe that I will walk on water. I took a step and kerplunk, went right, on, right into the water. Man, I had so much faith. I actually had no faith. Why? Because I didn't have a word. What did Peter have? He had a word. If it's you, Jesus, call me to come out. Jesus said, come. He had a word. He had a word. And he walked on the word. His faith was on the word. And then all of a sudden he started looking at the waves, looking at his circumstance. Well, rent's coming up. I don't know how it's going to work out. No, don't walk, don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. What did God say? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm going to believe that. I believe that God will supply all my need. I'll, he'll supply it. He'll supply it. I, you know, so it doesn't matter if rent's due tomorrow. You know, if, if you've done all that God's told you to do, Trust his word. He will supply. He will supply. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he'll do it. Rent was due yesterday. You can trust God. He'll supply rent and he'll supply the overage fee, right? Or whatever the late fee is. He'll supply that as well. So I don't have to worry. And this is literally what Jesus was saying when he's saying, don't worry. Don't. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Am I going to eat? Am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Don't worry about those things. What's he saying? No, just seek first the kingdom. It'll work out. It'll work out. That'll be a good thing to put in the comments. It'll work out. It's going to work out. What, whatever it looks like, it'll work out. Uh, Kelly said, yes, ice. She walked, she walked on ice. Yeah. Amen, Kelly. I actually, yeah, there was one, there was one year that uh, our, our pool cover got froze over, and I did walk across the pool cover, and my dad yelled at me. I'm like, how did you even know that I did that? You know, I was, I was amazed. Then he said, and then he just told me to look out there, and there's footprints going right across the pool. I'm, oh, that's how. Um, yeah, look, look, mom just said, I've been believing for a Bashan puppy uh, for several years, and literally just this week, I walked into a situation where a woman was selling a 10-week-old Bashan for Zay. Look at that. Like, that, like what, what are the odds? Out of all the different kinds of puppies that that, that, that lady could have been selling, she, she was breeding and selling uh, the specific kind of puppy that mom had been believing for. Like, look, look at that. Like, that's God. That, that's definitely God. See, now, now here, here's, here's the key. Faith in God is faith in his word. Faith in God is faith in his word. If God gave you a word, you're, apply faith to it. Believe him for it. Believe in his character and nature to provide. That's what Abraham did. God said, through Isaac, through Isaac, through Isaac all nations will be blessed. Through Isaac, all nations will be blessed. 
So Abraham had a word. That's why he was able to the next day wake up and take his son up onto that mountain with the dagger in his hand. Because he knew Isaac wasn't going to die on that mountain. Even if he died, he wasn't going to stay dead. <laughs> you know, He knew that. Why? Because he knew what God said. And his faith was in God. If I, if I were believing for something that God never said, I'm believing for a million dollar check coming this year. But God never said it. I'm not believing God. And, and I could be fully convinced that that check is coming. Hear that. I can be fully convinced that that check is coming. But my faith's not in God. My faith's in my faith. My faith's in my faith. It's not in God. And, and honestly, my faith really has no substance without the word. Faith doesn't have substance without a word from God. And if God said it in his word, he'll provide it. He'll provide it. Why? The Lord will provide what he promised. And, that, and that's a key. That's a key. The Lord will provide what he promised. So I shouldn't be believing God for something he never promised me. But man, this word is full of promises. This word is full of promises. By his stripes, you were healed. Surely he bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. That's a promise. That's a promise. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. That's a promise. I can believe God for that promise. I, so, so that's a word. That's a word that I can believe God for. So if I'm believing God that, that when a deadly virus, look at uh, Philipp, or Psalm chapter 91. That psalm is full of promises. Thousand can fall on my right side, ten thousand dying all around me. These troubles don't fear the deadly pestilence or disease that strikes at noonday. Why? Because a thousand might be dying all around you, but these evils will not touch you. That's a promise. That's a promise. Oh no, it's just a song. It's just a song. It's not a book of promises. It's a book of songs. No, it's a promise. I, either all of this is inspired by God or none of it is. Or, or if it's just the words of men. But I'm going to believe that this is the word of God. If God said it, I'm going to believe him for it. Right? That's a promise. And I can stand on the word. If God said it in his word, I can believe that he will provide all that I need. See, that, that's the key. God will provide all I need. If I have a word on it, he'll provide it. He'll provide it. I just have to believe in his character and nature. Apply my faith to what he said in his, who he is in his character and nature. He's a good God. Uh, he's a sun and shield. Uh, he gives grace and glory. No good thing is, is healing a good thing. Uh, I would say so. Is sickness a good thing? I would say no, <laughs> right? No good thing does he withhold but the caveat is from those who walk uprightly, from those who walk uprightly, those who are pure and upright in, in heart. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God, right? That, 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 that's it. I need to believe that he is, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When my heart's towards him, I'll de diligently seek him. If my heart is passive towards him, I'll, be, I'll passively seek him, and I won't see his goodness manifest. I need to have that fellowship with the Lord because how can I know what God, is, God wants me to believe for if I don't even know, if, he, if I don't even have fellowship with him? When I'm in fe active fellowship with him, I'll know what I need. The Lord is my shepherd. You cannot be, how can God be my shepherd when I never, I can say I follow him all, all I want, but if I'm not in fellowship with him, how, how will I even hear his voice when he gives me an instruction? See, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
What does that mean? He will provide all that I need. He leads me beside, uh, into green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, why, does, why do I believe that God not just is a healer, but he provides healing? Because for his name's sake, I want to make sure my life is exhibiting heaven on earth so that people can look at my life and give glory to God, not look at my life and question him. I don't want people to look at my life and question God. That's not how it should be. In Deuteronomy 28, um, I, I, let's just look, at the, look, look there real quick because I want to be able to make sure I read it accurately. Deuteronomy 28 verse 10 says this, So all the people of the earth will see. When people look at my life, I want them to be able to see. What do I want them to see? That I am called by the name of the Lord. I want people to tangibly see the goodness of God in my life. And when people tangibly see the goodness of God in my life, they'll give God glory. That's how my life gives God glory. When I'm in fellowship with him, and, I, and man, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. You read throughout the, the book of Acts. Uh, you know, where did people glorify, when did people glorify God? When they saw the power of God manifesting. Man, this man who was crippled from birth is now walking. And then they give, gave God, they, they began to glorify God, right? It points people to the reality that God, the Lord will provide. That God is a good father. Put that, put that in the comments. God is a good God. My God is a good, good God. Yes, he is. My God is a good, good God. Yeah, yes, he is. <laughs> He's a good God. Now, the question is, is do, do I live in the goodness of God? I, I can, I, because when Jesus said, and I'll say this as I'm wrapping up. When Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, my, uh, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That, uh, that contradicts, and I want you to hear my heart when I say this, because I, I don't know who all is watching right now, but there's, there's something that people say all the time that contradicts this passage. It's okay to not be okay. Now, there, uh, going back to what Paul said, um, when, when Paul said, uh, you know, Paul talked about, you know, I, I've been in humble situations, and I've been in good, situ in, in good situations. It, my... My situation doesn't determine whether or not it's going to be okay. Here's, here's the reality. When, when things don't seem okay, when I come to Jesus, it'll all be okay. That's, that's the key. See, I, I would say when, when people say it's okay not to be okay, it gives off this idea that it's okay to stay there. But it's not. See, when it's not okay, Jesus gave me an instruction to come to him. And when, it's, when things are not okay, see, when things don't seem okay, I guess that's a better way of saying it. When things don't seem to be okay, I can come to him and I know that he'll, he'll make it work out, right? Because my God, or, or what, what's the passage say? It says, uh, God uh, works all things together for the good of those who love him. So when I take it to him, it'll be okay. So, so... When, when we say it's okay to not be okay, the, the reality is this. When it's, this is a better way to say it. When it's not okay, I come, when it doesn't seem okay, and I come to him, 
I know that it'll be okay because God will work it out. God will work it together. He will provide. He will provide. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation that has overcome you that has not come to mankind. So whenever you have the temptation to just give up, the temptation to give in to the depression, to give in to the anxiety, when, when, that, when that temptation comes to, to, to surrender and succumb to what God, to, 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 or to what the situation might look like, that there's no temptation that's overcome to you that's not common to mankind. So what you're facing is, is not something that, is, that isolates you. Actually, the Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way. So Jesus knows how you feel. Jesus knows what, you, what you're going through. But here's the key. There's no temptation that has overcome you, come you that has not come to mankind. But God is what? Faithful. What, what is that saying? He will provide. Right? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able. But he will provide a way, at, a way of escape. So the temptation to give up, the temptation to, to succumb to, the, to how you feel, the temptation to give in to what you're going through. No, God will provide a way out. That's who he is. He's a provider. Put in the comments again. God will provide. The Lord will provide a way out. What's your circumstances look like? Even though I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. Why? Because he's providing a way out. I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here. God's drawing me out. He's calling me out. I'm not staying. It might seem like I've been there for years. You might have been battling with a specific health problem for years. Say, say this over that situation. The Lord will provide. James, Jesus said in Mark 11, he says, believe you have received it and it will be yours. It will be yours. So it's not just that the Lord will provide, the Lord has provided it. But now change it. God has already provided it. That changes everything. God has already provided all things pertaining to life and godliness. He's made it available to you. So, so here's the beauty of it. In Christ now, because we were talking about the Lord will provide a lot of this passage, or a lot of this, this teaching. But now, it really comes to light. In Christ, God has already provided all that I need. What, what is it? Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In Christ, it's already supplied. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? Uh, all things pertaining to life and godliness have been made, made available to you in Christ. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. In Christ, a provision has been made. I want to give you one more passage and then I'll pray for you. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us some things? No, all things. If he didn't even spare his own son. Now, now, now going back to the very beginning when we talked about Abraham, right? Abraham, this, this type and shadow, fully convinced, fully understanding that the Lord is providing something for him was willing to offer up his son. God 
now offered up his one and only son, the most valuable, the most valuable thing in all, that, that's ever walked on this earth, Jesus Christ. God offered Jesus for you. So what, what will he withhold from you? Will he withhold, sick, will he withhold healing from you? No. He didn't even withhold his own son. Healing's a good thing. Well, sometimes God sends sickness to teach us a lesson. No. Where's that in the Bible? You'll ne- that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. The only time, I'm not going to get there, <laughs> but that's not in the Bible. If, if, God, if sickness was God's will, you would have seen Jesus walk around and hear at some point in his ministry, God say, hey, you see that person over there? They seem to be doing well, but they need to be taught a lesson. Go and give them leprosy. You'd be like, okay. Jesus never did that. He never once put a sickness on a person. He only took it off of people. Why? Because he's good. And he doesn't withhold good things from those who walk uprightly. That's, not, that, that's who God is. He's not withholding sickness. He didn't withhold his son. Why would he withhold a healing for you? We just need to believe in that character and nature of God. We need to put full faith in it. We need to be, put full faith in the reality that God will provide and supply what I need in this moment. You need to pay rent. God's not going to withhold that from you. Are, are you. are you serving him? Are you doing things his way? Are, 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 you, are you actively doing the things that God has called you to do? If, you, if you're a servant in a, or a worker for God, Bible says a laborer is worthy of his hire. So God's not going to call you and commission you to do something and not supply your need. He's not going to call you to do something and leave you lacking. Because if God said that a laborer is worthy of his hire, and, and he condemns workers who do not pay wages to their, to their work. If he, if he in his word condemns uh, uh, bosses who do not pay wages to their workers, is God a hypocrite? Is God a hypocrite that he will withhold wages from you? No, Paul said it this way. What, what soldier goes to war at his own expense? If you're doing the things God's called you to do, he will ensure that, you're, that your needs are supplied. He's not going to leave you lacking. He's not going to leave you lacking. He didn't withhold his son. Why would he withhold anything else from you? He wouldn't. He's not a withholder. In his very character and nature, he is a provider. He is a provider. He's a provider. In his very character and nature. And the devil will do whatever he can to convince us that God is a withholder. See that at the garden. What was was he convincing Eve? What, what, What got Eve confused? The devil convinced her that God was withholding something good from her in that fruit. He said, oh, man, did God say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? No, he didn't say that. It's just these two. Oh, well, that's because the only reason he doesn't want you to eat that is because he's withholding something good from you. That, that, that's what plunged all of humanity into sin, was the idea and the, the concept and the philosophy that God is a withholder. But God, and, and that's a demonic thing. You want healing? Well, God might not give it to you. That's a demonic doctrine. That's a doctrine of devils. That, that goes all the way back to the garden. That's a, that's a lie from the devil that he's been trying to feed humanity since the beginning of time, is that God withholds good things. But he doesn't. That's not who he is. God is not a withholder. God is not a withholder of good things. But we need to put our belief and our faith in his character and nature, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him that he's withholding no good thing from those who walk uprightly. God is a provider. Why? Because he's good. Because he's good. Why? Because he loves me. 
Even when I was unlovable, he supplied his son. The greatest gift that he could ever give me. Even when I was an enemy of God, he supplied his son. So if he didn't spare his one and only son while I was an, en while I was an enemy, man, while I'm a child of him, what will he not supply for me? What will he withhold from me? Nothing if he didn't even spare his own son while I was an enemy. I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that this is just opening and unlocking something in your mind. That, or, or at least, if anything, breaking off a demonic idea that maybe potentially God might be withholding something from me because I did something wrong. Or be, No, no. If you messed up, just come to God. If you messed up, just come, come to God and say, God, I messed up. Forgive me and he'll cleanse you as if it never happened. It's on the cross with Jesus. He'll cleanse you. He'll forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Now, with this revelation, you can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive his provision, his grace for help in time of need. When you have a need, come boldly before his throne. God, you're a provider, and I know it according to your word, and I know that you'll supply. God, I'm just bringing this need to you, and I know that you'll supply it. I know you'll supply it. So if you're here and... and I don't know what your need is. I don't know what you're believing God for. But I will tell you this. God will provide. If there's a word, there's provision in that word. Put that in the comments. That'll be the last thing I ask. If there's a word, there's provision in the word. If God gave me a word, there's provision in that word. God's, God's not going to say something and not provide the grace to overcome. When he says, be anxious for nothing, there's a provision in that word to overcome anxiety. When he says to, to give you the oil of joy for mourning, a God of praise for heaviness, there's provision in that word to overcome depression and heaviness. There's provision in his word. There's, the supply is available to you right now. The heavens are open to you right now to be able to give you exactly what you need. What do you need? Healing? Well, we're going to pray for that. What do you need? Provision for, for uh, finances? We're going to pray for that. What do you need? Provision for, for your, your mindset? We're going to pray for that, and we're going to believe that God will provide exactly what you need today amen well wherever you're at uh as long as you're not driving lift your hands uh if you can lift your hands and just receive the provision of god right now oh and i feel that anointing bible says in his left hand are riches and honor so i'm going to start there i feel the anointing in my left hand father right now in jesus name i pray lord for supernatural financial provision to be on your people now god what i, I pray right now that you will give them wisdom and direction just as Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Father, right now, I just declare peace to be on their minds over the situation. God, let them know that they know that they know that you're working it out. But God, even as Jesus said, and they will find rest for their souls. And then he said, uh, uh, take my yoke upon you for I'm meek and lowly at heart and, and I will uh, teach you, Jesus said, and I, and I will teach you, Father, God, I pray, Lord, that right now you will get, begin to give them supernatural ideas on what to do to provide for that need. God, if they need to sow, show them what they need to sow and where they need to sow it for that need to be uh, met. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, that that supernatural anointing for financial victory uh, is happening and manifesting now in their lives as they're receiving it in Jesus' name. And Father, right now we just declare in Jesus' name, provision be over the hearts and minds of your people. If anxiety has tried to overtake them, Father, I pray right now the peace of God to manifest. The, 
the provision of your word that says be anxious for nothing. God, let the provision in that word begin to manifest in their minds now. If they've been depressed for the last couple of weeks, months, even years, Father God, I pray, Lord, right now in Jesus' name for provision to overcome that heaviness in your anointing to manifest in their minds right now. Father God, if they, if they need healing in their body, God, according to your word that says by their stripes, by your stripes, they were healed. Father, I pray for the provision of healing to manifest right now in their physical bodies. In Jesus' name, you gave the word, the provisions in the word, and we receive by faith now. We believe we have received that provision now in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it, and we praise you for it. Thank you, Lord, that you are withholding no good thing from me today. Your goodness and your mercy hunt me down today. Your, your mercies are new every morning, and that includes for today. And so, Father, I don't miss out on it, what you have for me today. I'll receive now, in Jesus' name, your provision, your victory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Did you receive that? Oh, man. Praise God. Oh, praise God. God is good. Amen. He is so good. And we can put our faith on his goodness today. Amen. Did that bless you? Uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Man, that's been good. Uh, today's been good. This whole week's been good. I've been enjoying it. Have you enjoyed it? Uh, man, and, and if this has blessed you, uh, I want to encourage you to, to share this broadcast. Spre spread the word. You know, if this ministered to you, if you're like, this is something that someone needs to hear, I want to encourage you to spread it, uh, to spread this word. Uh, but anyway, with that being said, guys, we love you. We sow this broadcast into you. If the Lord's leading you to sow today, uh, one of the ways you can sow is by spreading the word. But if the Lord's leading you to sow financially, if he gave you a word, even as we were praying, if the Lord was telling you to sow into this ministry, uh, we wanted to give you an opportunity. If he told you to sow into another ministry, don't waste that seed here because <laughs> the seed is fruitful where God's told you to sow it, right? So, uh, so I just want to pray over anyone who might be sowing uh, today. And just, I'm going to pray for that same anointing, that it will manifest in the end of the harvest. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we thank you for every seed sown today. God, I pray, Lord, that those who give, I thank you it will be given back to them. Because Jesus said this. And if Jesus said it, I'm going to apply my faith to it. God, that when they give, it will be given to them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. God, will men give back into their laps. The provision that they need will come back to them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to add this, this one other thing, especially when it comes to sowing. Um, I heard uh, uh, Brother Creflo Dollar say it this way. He says, if what you have in your hand is not enough to meet your need, it's seed. And so if you're here and you're saying, man, I, I need to do this. I need to, I, like, there's this thing that I need to, to pay off, and I don't know how I'm going to do it because what I have is not enough. Ask, that, then what you have is likely seed. There have been times when we had to pay rent, and we didn't have enough to pay rent. So we sowed everything that we had left. We're like, God, this isn't enough to, make, to meet the need anyway. So we're going to sow it. And what happened? God supernaturally came through and, and our rent was paid off. So I, I want to encourage you. You know, I want to encourage you. Seek the Lord. If it's not enough to meet your need, uh, ask God, is this seed? And do what he's told you to do. There's provision in his word. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited. We'll see you tomorrow at 1130. But now we're going to hand it over to Abby to wrap up. Love you guys. 
Hey guys, this word was powerful. We've already had testimonies back of this is exactly what I needed to hear today. This is confirmation of what I needed to hear today. So you can do your part by just sharing this broadcast. Literally, it's just hitting a button, pressing the like button, sharing it to your Facebook, sharing it to your Twitter, sending it to someone that God puts on your heart. And that is one way that you can just sow into this word, but sow in to people as well, minister to people. So seek the Lord. If there's someone specifically that God says, hey, I want you to send this to someone, seek the Lord on it and, and do it if he tells you someone. But until next time, we will see you tomorrow at 1130. We're excited to see you. Bye.